Michelle Quay is a certified confidence coach who helps women entrepreneurs who struggle with the confidence and courage to tell their unique story to get seen, get heard, and get hired. She is the founder of Elevate Life Coaching and the author of a memoir, Perfectly Normal, An Immigrant Story of Making It in America. An inspirational journey of overcoming adversity after an automobile accident that changed her life trajectory. Michelle was born in Taiwan and grew up in New York, but today she lives in Los Angeles with her ginger short hair tabby cat Toby, who is working his way to take over the publicity. Michelle loves Hawaiian pizza, but hate olives. And without further ado, Let's get started. I'm Kirby Ingalls, and you're listening to the True Success Podcast. My goal is to help you find true success by helping you live a rich and satisfying life, a life full of happiness and meaning and becoming a pillar of your community. It's my hope to inspire you to begin creating a new narrative, revolutionizing the way we live, and creating a ripple effect that resonates with future generations. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. My name is Kirby Ingalls, and I'm here with Michelle Quay. Michelle helps negative self-talkers to discover their inner strength and beauty by overcoming their fear of judgments. Michelle, would you please introduce yourself and tell us about what you've got currently going on? Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. Um, so I have a tendency to like really get really hyped up and every time I talk about myself and introducing myself you know I couldn't help but getting really excited so I'm Michelle Quay I'm a visibility confidence coach and like Kirby said I help individuals to overcome those negative self-doubt and self-talk so that they can actually personally stand out and shine and and you know I think a lot of us at, at some point in our life we either feel that we're invisible, we're playing small in our lives, we're not being seen by a lot of people, whether it's in the family or among our colleagues. Sometimes, you know, you're saying something, but people are just kind of disregard you to the back and, and you're fading away among a crowd. So that's what I'm really passionate about is to actually helping people to step out of their comfort zone to be seen, to get hurt and get hired. Thank you, Michelle. I really do appreciate it. Um... You know, I, I really want to start out, uh, and generally we start out in this show, talk a little bit about backstory and how you got into what you're doing. But I do want to mention your book up front because your book in the, in the title and the subtitle talks about you being an immigrant. And so I kind of want to go back to that a little bit because I think something significant happened in your life that I think our folks really need to know about as we progress along. And so they can kind of understand the journey just a little bit. So when you were 11 years old, something happened to you. So could you kind of tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I am an immigrant to the United States. Mm -hmm. I grew up in, I was born in Taiwan. I grew up in Taiwan and when I was 11 years old, I, one day I was coming out from school and as I was crossing the street um, to meet my mom on the other side, I, as I was crossing, I realized there's a lot of chaos and drama that was going on happening all at once around me, but I couldn't comprehend what was going on. By the time I realized what was happening, it was already too late. I had a big um, yellow taxi that came towards me really fast out of nowhere and and it hit me when I woke up I was already in the hospital laying in the bed I remember seeing my parents and seeing the doctor surrounding me and talking over my body and there was just an, an amount a tremendous amount of excruciating pain coming off from my lower extremity so both my leg and when I looked down I realized that I was being wrapped with plastics. Um, um, they, they have to be in a case. 
And I was just having a lot of pain. I couldn't remember exactly how they happened, what happened. But all I remember was I was holding on to my mom. I was holding on to her hand and I was asking for my brothers. And, and family is something that is so valuable to me mm-hmm. through my journey of the recovery, um, starting from 11 years old, all the way till I was 15. And by the time when I was 15, I, my family had the opportunity to come into United States. So I, we all decided to pack up everything, sold our house, and we came to America with no English background, not knowing how to speak, not knowing whether or not I'm going to go back to the, to the rehab center to be able to walk again, to be able to function again. So all of that happened since that accident, it was a struggle. It was a struggle for an 11 years old to suddenly going from very active, running around in the, in the school and chasing my friends down the, down the, uh, the open field. We, we had a lot of rice fields, so I was chasing down. So going from that to being bound at home, being tied to a bed, and basically I couldn't move for the following three months up until four years as I was going through these multiple surgery to recover back to just to be a state of normal again. That wow. was, that's what was happening. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Um, obviously you're sitting here with me. And so I, you have a, an incredible um, a life and journey and you've overcome probably uh, insurmountable obstacles in the way, um, probably immovable objects you have been able to move. Uh, and I, and I can't imagine, right. And so I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm kind of in awe. And, you know, I, I think back to myself because I have, you know, uh, I've talked on this show before about having two herniated discs in my neck. And last week I just got an injection and, you know, I have two herniated discs in my back and I've had to overcome those obstacles, you know, and I know at some point in time, maybe one day I'll probably have to have surgery and I'll have to be where you were at for a few months, you know, and, not able to move and having to rely on others and, and, you know, just, and having to have that courage to kind of lift myself and that resilience to lift myself out of bed one day and say, I'm going to do this. But uh, you've done something, you know, much more amazing than that. I mean, you know, I love talking to you people like yourself because, you know, we don't, we don't really know a person until we have seen inside of them and what they are willing to do, and then what they have accomplished in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, while you, you know, you, you introduced yourself, and you said you had some disabilities, you know, and you have to use crutches, you know, you actually climbed Machu Picchu. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought it was really, really interesting. Um, you faced another resilient moment in your life um, that, uh, you know, as soon as I heard that, I thought, that person, and there's two things here. Not only were you a resilient person for doing it um, and overcoming adversity because this person had a, a statement. Um, I'll, I'll try and paraphrase the best I can, but also that person knew you in that moment. Um, and they could see, I think they could probably see into your soul and they knew exactly what to say. Uh, it might've been a little shrewd, but it helped you overcome an obstacle. And that was Michelle on the first day uh, you either got to keep up with the donkey or you have to turn around and go back. Um, so can you kind of tell us about this Machu Picchu journey and why, why would you even want to do that? I mean, <laughs> I, I think you, what, what you had talked about was you brought up a great point because you, you know, a lot of us go through very physical, painful experience, you know, a herniated disc or a trauma from a car accident. There's a lot of physical pain that we're constantly going through. And people have asked me, you know, between the physical pain versus the emotional and mental pain, which one was more um, a, a biggest challenge for you? And the answer was your emotional pain, right? So physical pain, it's something that you can take care of by taking a, a painkiller or going through physical therapy. It's something that you can have a fix to it. But when you have an emotional or mental pain, it stays with you for a very long time until you have the courage to take it out under the rug and show it in front of you 
this is where I'm struggling. And being able to authentically and get like really honest with yourself, this is where I'm struggling and I need help. And so I was going through that moment from 11 to the, through the college experience, through multiple rejection, whether it's job or relationship, going through all these physical um, experience, a painful moment, it, what it really triggered and built on was my emotional pain. The fact that I kept playing small, the fact that I kept body shaming myself every time I step out of the shower, looking myself into the mirror. And I'm only, uh, just to give the uh, listener a little visual, I'm only four feet, four inches tall. I walk with two crutches. If I were to stand up right now in front of the camera, you can't really tell the difference because that's how small I am. So when I'm standing among all these professionals or these uh, my colleagues, no one really took me seriously. And that was my own perception of how I exist in this world in the physical sense. So after going through 29 years of that emotional pain on top of this physical pain, I came to a point where I realized I either live on with my life or I call it a day. And I just called it a day, throw in the tower and call it a day. I have the option to choose. How do I want to choose? And that was a very important question to, um, you know, for listeners and, and myself included to ask every single day, how do you want to choose your life? You have two options. You can choose to fight or you can choose to give up. How do you want to choose? Very simple, right? Those are the two choices that you have. And every single moment we have a choice. And so I decided that I don't want to give up. So I was thinking, how do I figure this out and somehow make this life work? Make this life work for me. And, and so I started to think about, okay, so where is my biggest challenge? My biggest challenge is the fact that I'm physically challenged. So what can I do to challenge this physical challenge? The first thing that came to my mind was, all right, so then um, I have immobility. Maybe mobility is something that I can work on. So I decided to go to a gym. I signed up with a personal trainer. I said, listen, I need you to help me because I don't know how. So I'm going to need your help to help me to get mobilized, to start getting movement around. And during that time, a lot of my friends were like, they, they, they're very active. They go to gym, they're sports, um, Spartan race, you know, you name it. And we were just talking about the Spartan race and Tough Mudder. What are the difference? And apparently Tough Mudder, they would shock you. Electric, you get electrocuted <laughs> during the Tough Mudder. So I started to listen to a lot of people having these idea of being, becoming physically active. And I, I was really so jealous of that. You know, I wanted to be part of that conversation. I wanted to be part of that, that group where I belong, that sense of belonging was important to me. So I was listening to them. They all came back from this great trip to Machu Picchu, to Peru. And it was amazing. It was spiritual. It was transformational. I want to be part of that. So I came back, told my trainer, I said, listen, I need you to help me because this is my new goal. My new goal is to go to Peru. I want to hike Machu Picchu. And then so he was, the day I told him, I broke the news to him and he was totally in shock. And he <laughs> said, <laughs> he said to me, Michelle, you know, there's, there's two type of outcome that you're going to get. You're going to make it or you're going to die in the mountain. You know that, right? And I said, yeah, I'm fully aware of that. But at that point, I was tired of not being able to choose how I want to live my life. I was tired of how people are telling me the things that I have to do in order to be successful. I was tired of putting myself living that shoebox life where, you know, you go to school, you have, get an education, you get a job, you see yourself, you get married. And looking at my life, there's nothing. I don't fit any of the categories. Mm. I, don't, I don't have a successful job. You know, I work for somebody, you know, I have to clock in and clock out and job is just not motivating. I don't have a relationship because every time I go out, people either reject me. I was like, yo, you're, you're, you're great. You're very lovely. You're very smart, but that's just be friend. So after going through multiple rejection, whether it's professional life or per personal life, I was sick and tired of it. So I'm going to choose if I'm going to die in Machu Picchu, I'm going to die there. I am not coming back. <laughs> That's how adamant I was about having that trip. Yeah. 
And so I spent a year uh, from 2015 to 2016 just to train myself to be able to hike. And every weekend, I would put on my day pack, I would bring my crutches out, I would have all my water, and I would just go hike every weekend. Um, and then, so the following year in September 2016, I bought myself a ticket for the very first time traveling by myself with my luggage, with my two pink crutches. Um, I landed in Cusco, Peru. And two days, uh, two days after that, I went on to the, to, the, to the Inca Trail. I hiked through the 26 miles of Inca Trail. And the top is, uh, elevation is at 14,000 uh, above sea level. Mm -hmm. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Google Podcasts and leave a rating and review. See you on our next episode. And what you were, you and I were talking about earlier, the first day about the donkey. Um, so on the first day we travel, we spend about eight to 10 hours. Um, I spend 10 hours while my teammates, other, other people from the group, they travel eight hours. Um, by the time I got there, my two leader after the dinner sat me down and we were just talking because at that point, from that point on, after day one, you only have two options. You can go back. Um, that's kind of like a point of no return. So you can either go back or you can continue. And what they wanted to make sure is that those who are tra traveling the slowest, they have the opportunity to make a decision there. Mm -hmm. And so he asked me, Michelle, you were the slowest one in the group. You barely made it to lunch. You barely made it to the campsite at night. What do you want to do? And, you know, looking at yourself, we had donkey traveling around uh, uh, with us, carrying all these supplies. You were slower than the donkey. What do you want to do? And you know that negative self-talk that the, the voice that we have in our head, every once in a while, it'll, it'll jump in and say, oh, you're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. You know, you're not, yeah. you're not enoughness. That voice came on, but it was, it had a different voice. It was asking me, Michelle, mm -hmm. this is your point of no return. How do you want to move forward? It wasn't asking me, you, you're not good enough. It was asking me, how do you want to travel? Mm. And I say back to that voice, I want to travel faster than the donkey. <laughs> and so I went on, I went on, I told the tool leader, I want to continue on this journey. I want to continue on this path, whether I die here or I don't. And I'm going to succeed no matter what. I'm going to focus. I'm finishing the next four days and I'm going to do this. I'm going up to Machu Picchu and please don't send me back. And so he agreed. He said, okay, so, so since you're the slowest, what I would recommend typically for other people is they start their day at seven o'clock. Seven o'clock, everybody get up, pack their things, we leave the campsite and we move on to the next, next point. For me, he recommended you travel at least two hours because I was two hours behind on day one. So he recommended me to get up five o'clock in the morning before the sunlight comes out, put on my hair light, put on my backpack, start walking. And because of that, I was able to meet them just in time for lunch and for dinner. And every single day, I was doing push-up after push-up after push-up. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of um, these visuals, um, for people who's listening, it's, you have to imagine these are gigantic um, stone, ancient stone. I, it's so amazing how, how they got up there, but they got up there. And so there's myth actually of how, how the ancient Peruvian got these uh, gigantic stone up there. They believe that there's a giant that had lift these rocks and move it up there to build this incredible ruin. And, and now we know it's Machu Picchu. 
Um, so these ancient gigantic steps, um, the length of the stone, each length of the stone is about the height of my leg. So mm. in order for me to step onto the next one, typically I would have to put down my, my crutches, land my crutches under the up steps and get down to my knees and hand, climb up, secure myself, pick up my crutches again and do, do this repeatedly. Mm. So every day I would do about 40,000 steps on a daily basis. Wow. So that is Machu Picchu. <laughs> <laughs> That's an incredible feat. I mean, you know, just your, you know, in it one way or the other, you know, you were going to leave a legacy because you said, oh, I'm either going to die up there or I'm going to do this. And so one way you were going to submit your legacy and Machu Picchu was going to be it. Um, I think that's incredible. Um, and for, for a person like me, I, I resonate a whole lot with your story. I mean, it is nowhere comparable to yours. I mean, but I, I've had a couple moments like that. And it, it, one was with the disc in my neck and the one in my lower back. Um, and I was sitting across from that surgeon and they were like, look, you're a candidate for surgery. And um, if you don't stop, right, you're going to be in a wheelchair by the time you're 70. And so the only thing you should do is run an elliptical or go out and do some sprints in a football field. But you can't live an active lifestyle anymore. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, I had to make a choice that day. I was like, either I could accept that answer, you know, and let that be my fate or and I just sort of chose the other way. I was like, there's no way. And uh, I've probably said on the show multiple times. I ended up emptying, you know, started working on my bucket list at that moment. I was like, life is too short. I need to start living it now and let me go out and do all these things. And eventually I started running ultra marathons. So, but I mean, you know, and then the other one, you know, as you were talking, um, you said you had that, that conversation, you know, with your trainer and, and these other people that had been very supportive of you. Uh, and when I heard my lower back, um, this going the second time around, right. So I did it once, but I did it twice. Um, and, uh, I reached out to a ultra marathoner, right. That, uh, I never expected in the world to reply back to me. And I had this, this desire, this passion to continue to do ultra running. And I called, I didn't call him up. I shot him an email and he sent me an email back and he was like, Hey, here's my phone number. Give me a call. And I was like, what? I, I mean, world renowned, just, I never, never even thought about it. Um, and I was like, yeah, I just, you know, I just wanted an email back. Right. You know, um, and we talked for a good hour and a half on the phone. Um, and, uh, after I got off that phone, I was a lot clearer about what I wanted to do and, uh, about my physical limitations and what I could overcome and couldn't overcome because he'd experienced the same thing. And that's why I reached out and I said, Hey, you were supposed to have back surgery and you had all these things happen to you. And, now you're just this ultra athlete, you know, and, and it was rewarding. And so I, I really resonate with a lot. You say, I mean, you know, and you have to make those choices. You get down to those moments in life where, you know, it's either this is going to define me or um, I'm going to define it. And I think you defined it. Uh, and I, I think it's just really incredible, especially the visuals. Like I've watched your video and I would encourage, and we're going to link this to the show notes of you climbing Machu Picchu. And just, and I want to, the next question I want to ask you is, is, is what was it like when you got to the top and all those people were up there hugging you and celebrating and just like you had just completed this four or five day journey that was probably the most incredible thing that you've ever done. It was, it was inspirational. Mm -hmm. I think it was inspirational in the sense that I didn't realize how much of an inspiration I could be. I, I, I've always thought, you know, I'm so typical. I'm very ordinary. I'm a, like your, your next door neighbor. There's nothing special about me, but yet every step I was on that path, everyone turned around and gave me a thumbs up. And that thumbs up means so much to me personally, but I also believe that it means a lot for them. Because I bet you that in the back of their mind, they're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, she's so inspirational. If she can do this, there is no reason why I cannot do this. Yeah. So by the time I reached the top and everyone stood up, everyone from all over the world stood up and they were all clapping, cheering me, walking, you know, as I walked in through the, through the sun gate. 
they were my inspiration. They were my inspiration, not the other way around. I was the inspiration for them, but more importantly is they became the inspiration to me. It's a self-validation moment where I realized that, hey, I am more than just this body. I am more and I am capable of being something in this world. And that big sense of belonging, suddenly it was so warm, memorable, and it really touches my heart. And I remember this gentleman from uh, Canada he had a he had a Canadian pin, like a flag pin on his shirt. He came up to me and then he, he took off his pin and he gave it to me and he said, now you're an honorable Canadian. So I, <laughs> I can go to Canada anytime I want. Oh, that's crazy. And that was that was that made me cry. Yeah. Because I didn't realize that that was something that's possible. Yeah. And he came from one single idea of saying no to who I was and saying yes to who I am now. Mm. That's powerful. Um, yeah, that, that is, that is, that is really, really powerful. You know, the, we, we've kind of talked about Machu Picchu and, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, your accident when you were 11 years old and the things that you had to overcome, you know, a lot of us, I mean, even myself, you know, I need a person like you in my corner all the time, right? To lift me up and continue to push because you're right. It is inspirational. Um, and I remember, you know, I, re I think about it all the time when I'm on the trail, you know, running and I might not be the fastest guy that I used to be anymore, you know? Um, Cause I was getting pretty competitive. Um, not so much anymore, uh, but uh, you know, and I'm slow and I'm in the back now and, you know, it, but that doesn't matter to me. Um, and now the whole thing that's going through my mind is, is you said when people look back at you, it made me think, you know, I'm coming for you. Don't count me out. I don't quit, you know, and, and that other person looks back and sees you and is like, oh, they're coming. <laughs> they're still back there. They're not quitting. I think, I think of the quote, um, I think it was Babe Ruth who says that you can, you know, you can never defeat a person that refuses to strike out. And even though he struck out thousands of times, you know, he probably struck out as many times as he hit home runs. Um, he just refused to quit. He was going to go back up to the plate and try it again. They'd set him back down and he was going to keep coming. Um, and you weren't going to defeat him. And so I, I think, you know, you had that, that, that mentality and that mindset. So what would you say to folks who are kind of down in their luck right now? You know, um, maybe, maybe some of their darker days, you know, what would you say to them? And, you know, and, you know, in, in regards to your experience, your journey, you know, how to take that very next, like, and it's just, this is the very next first step, because I think it's like walking, right? You just have to take that first step. You just have to get your foot out the door. If you're going to make exercise a habit, you just have to lay out your clothes the night before, you know, you just, yeah. so what's that, what, what, what would you say that very next step is for someone? it's not how fast you go it's you're moving in the right direction so so being a person who is four feet four inches tall there's some logistics that a lot of time i have to face you know uh someone who is six feet tall their stride their, their motion their stride uh distance is very different than than someone who is four feet tall and i keep telling my six feet tall friend i said you know you're getting there faster than i am because your legs are longer so, so it takes me two steps in order to make it up to that one step. So of course you're going to travel a lot faster. Whereas me, you know, I am going still going in that same direction. I'm just, it's just taking me a little more time. And the idea is not to be so critical about how fast you're going because you're going at your own pace. You're going at your own journey. I could easily compare to, my, to myself to the six, foot, um, six feet tall friend and say, you know what, I'm not good enough. I, I'm just going to stand still here. Or I can think of it as, well, he's taller. Of course, he's going to travel faster. 
I'm still going the same direction. That's all that matters. So it's not how fast you travel, but whether or not you're traveling in the right direction. So focus on where you're going. And in order to focus, I always like to bring up my, my 3D rules. So my 3D rules are determination, discipline, and dedication. Right? You need determination because you set up your goal mm -hmm. on the direction that you want to move forward. You need dedication because sometimes, you know, there are good days and there's rainy days, but every day you're determined, you're dedicated to do the same thing over and over and over again until you get there. And discipline is about learning. It's about growing, right? So what needs to be making better? How can we make what didn't work, work for us? And it's all about learning and growing when, you, when it comes to discipline. Discipline is not so much, oh, you got to beat yourself up in order to achieve something. Discipline is about doing the same thing. Whether or not you have success, it's not, not to give up. That's discipline. That's awesome. I mean, we have spent an incredible amount of time talking about your journey um, and how you got here. But now you're here, um, and it was an incredible journey. Uh, you had literally climbed the mountains. <laughs> and uh, We are climbing the mountain every day. Yeah, together, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, tell me a little bit. You, so you have a book out. So tell us a bit about your book. But you also have a coaching, you know, um, platform that you work with folks that do negative self-talk. Um, you also talk about, you know, about how everybody experiences this and and it's how to overcome some of those challenges and those fears and, you know, just a lot of that area of kind of the, the I would say, self-confidence. It, it might be right, self-confidence mm -hmm. arena. Um, can you tell, tell us a little bit about the book, you know, and what you do as far as your coaching platform goes? And yeah. So my book is called Perfectly Normal and Immigrant Stories of Making It in America. It's a memoir of my story from uh, when the accident had happened. And it, even a little further than that, you know, the, it describes how I was growing up and the family I grew up in. Uh, my dad came from the military background. He's very about discipline. So every morning and every night when we eat dinner, it has to be everybody on the same table, picking up your bowl, your, your, your chops needs to, your bowl needs to come to your mouth and not the other way around. Yeah. So I was, I brought, I was, I grew up in such a disciplined family. And so a lot of what I do and how I do things later really goes, goes back to how I was raised. Um, so it's a memoir of describing my, my life from the beginning to up until the point where I was struggling with the self body image and experiencing all these rejection in life up until the point where I started to um, decide I want to live a different life. So I went on to my coaching journey. Yeah. Um, after I wrote the book, or actually it was during, after I launched my coaching business, I wrote the book and because I want to have a better way of inspiring the audience. So I wrote the book and my coaching business is really about how helping people addressing the inner critic, addressing the negative self-talks mm -hmm. that stopping us from our business, from our life and how it kept us playing small in everyday life. You know, I was talking about how we all climbing that mountain. It's about the mountain that stood in front of you. And how do you get over that hurdle? You can just let it stop you. You can go around it or you can dig a tunnel through it. So there's so many different ways that we can get through our obstacles without the obstacle holding us back. So that is my one-on-one -on -one coaching, coaching um, business that I have going on. And I'm also a speaker. I, I go out and do a lot of motivational speaking. Yeah, you know, speaking of that, um, I, I think that's great. I love inspirational speaking. Um, I, uh, you know, I've, I've listened to a lot of speakers over the years um, and the ones that have a story, you know, um, that they can tell and it incorporates it into what they currently do, you know, that purpose, that meaning they took ownership, you know, and they show us progress of that journey. Um, much like a hero uh, resonates me, you know, with the most rather than going up there and listening to some keynote speaker who really hasn't overcome a whole lot of challenges. Um, 
I mean, not that's not that they're not bright or intelligent. And they have this, you know, super, you know, special system that can really transform people's lives. But it's, it's I think it's that human connection piece, that that story that's really, you know, for me. And I'm always an underdog guy. I, I, I tend to root for the underdogs. Um, you know, the people that, you know, there's a lot of doubt cast in their mind, like, ah, that person can't do that or that person's not capable. So I, I, I really do love that. Um, but you're also a Toastmaster. So I, so that's why I want to bring that up because you, you mentioned speaking. Uh, as a Toastmaster, you just took on the uh, division director position um, after just being the area director. Um, and I'm also a Toastmaster myself. So, you know, tell me, tell us a little bit about that. You know, what you expect to come, um, how maybe Toastmasters has impacted your career. I know Toastmasters builds confidence. And so we're talking a lot about that, that self-talk, that confidence, that, that growth journey, so. Yeah, I, I think one of the great thing about being a Toastmasters is the organization, well, first of all, it's a nonprofit organization where um, anyone everywhere, they gather together to practice public speaking. And they don't just focus on public speaking. Public speaking is a very broad genre. Mm -hmm. And so they focus on communication, leadership, and confidence through public speaking. Speaking. So public speaking is a way that we get out there and, and, and getting seen, right? Yeah. But the ultimate result from being a Toastmasters is the ability to communicate clearly, the ability to have that confidence and the ability to, to exhibit that leadership that every single one of us have. You and I are leader, and so is every listener who's listening to this podcast right now. You are a leader. How you lead is by setting up the example and the legacy that you're going to leave behind to the people, the immediate people that is surrounding you. So whether it's your family, your husband, your wife, your, your cat, your dog, everybody who is around you need to feel that impact of how you lead. So going in as an area director, going in as a division director, I am bringing in and I am cultivating that leadership skills. How do I want to create and make an impact to and inspire those people who, is, who haven't realized that they have a role to lead in their life? So whether it's a member who come into the club or whether it's an officer who's currently in the club, you have the role, you play a role in this planet in this universe to lead and how you lead is through inspiration empowerment and motivation i think it's really inspirational uh you know and the reason why i bring that up um you know toastmaster seems to be this uh hidden organization out there and i don't think not enough people know about it so i like bringing it up because it's very powerful along my journey. It sounds like it's been powerful on your journey. And it just has, there's just a lot of great opportunities that, um, and I think that there's a lot of hidden talents within the organization as well. A lot of hidden people. And I've heard some criticism about it. I mean, you know, I won't, won't deny that, um, you know, because they teach you a certain way of doing public speaking, but I would say that that limitation or that that way they teach you is not the restriction. It is just a prescribed method. Um, and so, you know, again, there there will be critics out there and we're actually talking about negative stuff, critical talk. <laughs> and so we're going to hear that like messages are going to come in um, to us. But I again, I think that platform has turned some very you know, ordinary people or people that were just struggling. Like I was a coach, not a coach, but a, um, uh, an area director and one of the clubs that I worked with, uh, English was not their first native language. And uh, they were in Toastmasters to learn to, you know, to speak English better, um, to present themselves well um, and speak on other platforms, you know, because some of them were becoming professors and adjunct, you know, professors and things of that nature. So it was really important to, and I've met some of the most incredible people that I've ever met through that platform. And because I've met those people, opportunities presented themselves that would have never actually ever happened. So, um, and I have a good friend who's a Toastmasters also, we always talk about this, like, because of what Toastmasters has done, it's just opened up our world. So, yeah. Um, so I appreciate you sharing your experiences and I really do appreciate you stepping up and, you know, being a division director, because that's not an easy task. 
you know, um, <laughs> it is definitely not an easy task. And so hopefully we'll see you in the district trio in the future. We kind of talked a little bit about that earlier, but, uh, the district trio is, is the three top people in a um, particular district. Um, and, uh, usually you get there by the way of becoming a club officer and then eventually an area director and then a division director. And then usually one of those division directors becomes the, you know, growth director for the district. Mm -hmm. And you might end up being that person next year. So <laughs> well, well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, and, and I would add that Toastmasters is definitely not the place where we, we toast. <laughs> right. And right? That a lot of people... <laughs> That was my mistake when I first thought about it. I mean, I just thought Toastmasters was that thing you saw on TV called a roast. I was like, that is not me. I am not a funny guy. I can't handle that kind of attention. And uh, and when I went there, a little intimidating, but as long as you can get in the door, hang out for a little bit, overcome your fears, there's great people in the organization that will help you move along. And nobody gets, again, you said it's a nonprofit. Nobody gets paid to do this. People are there to support each other, bring each other up help each other, um, give each other feedback, make each other better. I mean, it is just it's, the wealth of people there. It is, is amazing. Um, there's a lot of richness there. So, you know, um, no, we're kind of getting towards the end here. And I think, you know, um, I kind of want to know where you're going. Um, where do you, where do you see yourself? So, uh, the easy question would be where you see yourself in three to five years, but I want to ask you the harder question. Um, where do you see yourself in 10 or 20 years? This week, I want to share with you a review from T.E. Corner. He says, Kirby is a true leader and life influencer. He is on a mission to redefine leadership and success. Not only does he focus on success in the form of goals and accolades, but he brings to the surface the real value and positive influence people can bring to the workplace and world. Great show. Thank you, Kirby. Hey, everyone. Positive reviews from awesome customers like you help others to feel confident about choosing the True Success Podcast, too. Could you just take 60 seconds and go and make a review and share your happy experiences. We will forever be grateful. And thank you in advance for helping us out. And maybe we'll read your review on a future episode. I see myself... Uh, having a coaching practice or business where I can work remotely anywhere, everywhere in the world. And my ultimate, ultimate um, goal is actually I want to open a nonprofit school. Mm. And this nonprofit school is going to be open in somewhere in the Middle East where all the chaos and turmoil is mm -hmm. happening and where all the conflict is happening. And the school is going to benefit the children of refugee. Okay. And I'm very adamant about it has to be the refugee children because I truly believe that with all these chaos and conflict that's going on around the world, we're stripping the right to, for, from these children to have the right education. Mm -hmm. And one of the value of being a coach, um, helping others is to draw out that wisdom from every single one person, one person at a time. And if we're stripping away the rights of these children to have education, to the basic foundational human rights of being educated, they have no skills to build a better home. They have no skills to have a better life because you can't know what you don't know. So how do you fix a society where there's chaos, there's conflict, there's, there's a traumatic trauma from histories and generations and generation. Give them the education, give them the right to educate, help them to be better. And there's a saying that goes, you cannot teach, a, you cannot give a fisherman the fish, you can teach a fisherman to fish so that he can survive, right? So yeah. same thing, same idea for the children. I think, you know, that that's incredible. Um, 
And there's not much else I could put into words for that. <laughs> I, uh, I, I love, I love it. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard a organization called pencils for promise. It's pretty popular out there. It was at one time. So, yeah, that's what it kind of reminds me of a little bit. Um, I, uh, I know the devastation, um, that happens in refugee camps. I, uh, for years, um, when I was going through, you know, when I was transitioning out of HR in the military and I was thinking I was going to go in the counseling field, I had to do a lot of studies, you know, getting my master's. One of the things I studied was human trafficking. And I know human trafficking uh, is, is devastating uh, in the, in the refugee world. Um, and I hate to say it like, you know, it's another world, but it, I mean, it kind of is. I mean, it, what, what we here today experiences nothing compared to what those folks are experiencing they're they're fleeing from tyranny and all kinds of other things that um most of us i mean won't even think about i mean on a day-to-day -day basis i mean <laughs> we you know we just celebrated fourth of july so um so here in the united states we have a lot of freedoms and liberties and you know most of us don't even come close to having experienced that lifestyle. And so as I was studying this, you know, I was seeing the devastation of human trafficking, like people are literally so desperate um, to, to get to the United States that they will trust a complete stranger with their children to get them there because they just want a better opportunity. And they know that that's the only opportunity that they may have, which is, you know, a sex trade or something else, you know, and, 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 it, and it's just, it's really devastating um, to know that the United States is is really um, in the top, you know, uh, importer and exporter of domestic human trafficking. Um, and it's really, really sad to see that. But I think the education piece is really important, like you said. Um, I think the more education folks have, the better choices they can have, the more opportunities they have. Um, and to do that, you know, to just to come alongside folks that are just, you know, they're suffering, they're fleeing, you know, um, persecution and all kinds of other things is um, just a tall order um, and that you're willing to take that on. Um, but I'm sure you're telling yourself, I've climbed Machu Picchu, I can do this too. So uh, I would well, love to continue to know more about it, you know, and to hear. I, I can tell you, I can't, I can't do this myself. So <laughs> yeah, I'm right, definitely going right. to, I'm definitely yeah. going to reach out to you at some yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, no, I think it's amazing. I really do. And that's why I wanted to take the time to talk about it because I don't think really like we live these ordinary, normal lives and we just, you know, I just, I think sometimes we forget, we take for granted what we really truly have. Um, and it's a blessing in disguise. And I don't think that we can, when, when people like you step out and they're like, I'm going to make a difference in the world. I'm going to have an impact. I think, you know, you just have to stop and, 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 understand the depth and the breadth of, of the, the challenge that that is and that there's people like yourself that are willing to go out there and do that, you know, and, and, and make that your purpose in your life and your focus. And then the rest of us are just, you know, getting up, driving to work every day, going to do our job, coming home, hanging out with our spouse and children, watching TV and going about business. Like it's, there's nothing going on in the world, you know, and except for politics and, you know, um, whatever's on Seinfeld tonight or whatever it might be. So, uh, you know, I mean, really, there's, there's a lot of important stuff I think we can get involved in. And I, I really do thank you for, for having that sort of impact. I think you're kind of stealing away from my next couple of questions. Um, and so, you know, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the ripple effect that you're going to have. Um, and that may be a little bit more significant than this. And there may be something else that you have in mind, but you know, you're going to cast that stone in the water, right? And create that ripple effect that just begins to resonate and travel across the waters. You know, how are you going to, how are you going to have that, that, that ripple effect? So in order to have that ripple effect, I believe it takes one person at a time. Mm -hmm. And with the, all the work that I am doing, you know how you were describing, you know, a lot of us, we just turn on the TV, watch Seinfeld, and there's times where you get up in the morning, go to, go to work, and you come home, and you kind of believe that this is how life is supposed to be. Yeah. But I think through the work that we do as coaches and, you know, as someone who's out there inspiring others through our stories, 
our role, our job is to create that impact. So that person who's going from work, going home to home, and turning on the TV and watching Seinfeld and believing that this is the end of our life, we want to inspire that one person and start really thinking deep about the meaning of his life and the impact that he can bring or she can bring to this world. There is more than just behind the wall and in your, inside your home. It is more than just going to work, feeling uninspired, unmotivated, angry all the time. And this is not the life that you were meant to live. And so if I can inspire one person at a time, helping that person realize there's so much more that they can provide to the world, that person is going to bring their gift, bring their talent. They're going to come and help me in moving forward in creating a society. I wouldn't call it a utopia. There are probably still a lot of things that we need to face in the, in, in the obstacles and challenges that we have to address. But that person is going to bring that talent, is going to bring that gift to help me making this world a better place for everybody to live. That is my, our, our job. That is our role to make that one person shine. I love it. I love it. One person at a time. Create the ripple effect. That compounds like interest, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, you know, with all this being said, I mean, you know, you've, you've done it. You've done an incredible amount. Um, you know, you've already achieved a lot of success in your life. How would you define your true success? So if we were to take away all the accolades, you know, and, you know, uh, number one bestseller and you get rid of, you know, I've helped 10,000 children, you know, how do you define your true success? My true success is watching either my clients or those I've spoken to, to watch their success and how they enjoy their success. Mm. Just a couple of months ago, I had this client, um, I, we were working, we worked for the 30 days um, in my program. And then he suddenly sent me a text and he had a had an emoji and he was like celebrating. He said, Michelle, I got great news. I signed up my first client. <laughs> and in that moment, when I can hear his success, I felt encouraged. I felt inspired. And I felt accomplished. So helping someone else to succeed is my success. I think it's amazing. I uh, I do find a lot of joy in other people's successes. So it's probably why we're doing what we're doing. <laughs> I think that's I think that's probably the one characteristic in order to be able to do what we do. Uh, you know, it, it's just it's just amazing. I do have to ask you this question. So so you 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 overcome an incredible accident when you're 11 years old. And then you, um, and I'm sure you had a lot of fears at that moment in your life, you know, and what was life going to be like in the future? And I can't imagine as an 11 year old girl, uh, what that might be like. That even makes me terrified for, for my daughter, who's three now, um, you know, and, uh, and then you, you climb Machu Picchu. So what's the one thing that you need to do now that scares you? One thing that I need to do now that scares me the most is, am I approaching this coming out from values? Is it coming out from what's really resonating in my heart? Is it coming out from my inspiration or is it coming out from my ego? Am I doing this because it truly resonate and stand for who I am? Or am I doing this out of ego? out of wanting something very selfish. So I'm constantly asking myself these questions that would help me direct on the path that I am going to travel. That goes back to that uh, self-talk, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I still have a lot of self-talk. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so do I. Um, I, I. I deal with it every day. I actually, I journal about it. I write it down. I put my thoughts and, you know, I try to get it out there, out of my head um, as a technique. But uh, uh, I, I, looking back at you and, and having this conversation with you, uh, I would not suspect at all it would be ego. Um, and it probably is right aligned with what you're supposed to do and your purpose. Um, and so, uh, I, I really do see you taking ownership of this thing. You know, the last question I'll ask you, you, um, you, 
uh, what was it about a day ago? Um, you tweeted uh, a statement and I wanted to uh, read it to you. And I wanted to get your take on this and your thoughts because I thought it was really, really interesting. Um, and I thought it was, I, th I thought it was just a really powerful statement. You said those whose heart had been broken are the ones spirit filled with blessings. And so what does that mean to you? So those who, who have been broken, yeah. a lot of time we focus on, I am broken. I'm not complete. And we're trying to focus on how to fix a problem that isn't really a problem. Mm -hmm. A problem is only a problem when you give it meaning and definition as the problem. So being broken, you crack open. Yeah. And when you crack open, you allow a lot of things to flow in. You mm -hmm. allow love, you allow inspiration. You allow a lot of these moments that encourage you to really dive deeper in seeing what is it that you have. And one of the analogy I love to use is a lot of time I would give people like a, a bag of mosquitoes. So you open up a mosquito, what do you see? What do you have in a bag of mosquito? You have all these different colors, right? But mm -hmm. the moment that you crack it open, you pour it down to your palm, you have all these different color mosquito right there in the palm of your hand. What do you focus on? Do you focus on what's missing? Or do you focus on what is in your hand? And that's where the blessing is. You crack open the mosquitoes or a life, you crack it open, pour it in your, in your hand. That is where your true beauty, your talent, your gift, that is where it lies. Not everything else around it, but it's right there in the palm of your hand. I really love that. I think we can end on the show on that. <laughs> no, I really do love that. But I want to give you... Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I'm actually I'm gonna put this in the show notes so everybody can see it and they can retweet it if they would like to. Um, but uh, you know, I'm gonna give you the one last opportunity to say anything that you would like to say, um, and you know where we can find you at. And again, we'll put all the, all the links and how to get to you and your book and you know all the different things that we talk. Even the video where you climb in Machu Picchu. I'm gonna put that in the show notes so everybody knows you know where to go to get that stuff. But uh, yeah, just share with us, you know, your, your parting thoughts, anything that you wanted to say that you didn't get a chance to say, um, you know, and your, you know, it's, it's your opportunity to share with us. Well, so I think the last takeaway message I want everyone to walk away with is just be brave. It, it takes a lot of courage to do and ask what you want in your life. And sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's daunting. Sometimes, sometimes it's a lot of unknown. And moving forward from coming out from the pandemic 2020, there's a lot of unknown in our lives. But ultimately, just remember two words. In the world of you can be anything at all, just be brave. When you can be brave, there is so many things that's possible. There's going to be so many lessons that you're going to learn more about yourself and who you are and how you want to answer your callings, your passion, everything that you wanted for in this life. So just be brave. Well, thank you, Michelle. <laughs> I, I, I really do appreciate it. I mean, yeah, bravery is one of those things uh, we could all use a little bit more of. And you have definitely showed us the beauty of human excellence um, in your story and what you're doing and what you're about to do. Um, and I know that you will climb that mountain as well. So um, please do keep in touch and keep us informed. I would love to kind of update folks on how you're doing um, in your pursuits. And uh, I guess we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Now it's up to you to put all this information into action. Please check out the links in the show notes, download a copy of the transcript, and smash that subscribe button. Leave a comment or review on your favorite podcast platform. Now go out and carry this story forward.
My name is Kirby Ingalls. I appreciate you listening to this episode. Honor your service to others and love the impact that you are creating. You've been listening to the True Success Podcast. I'll see you next time.